Hey, Matt. Dave. Do you want to know the best thing that has come out of 2021 so far? Yes, I do. Do you? Well, get this right. I don't know if you heard about this. James Cameron has actually come out and confirmed the legendary myth behind his Aliens pitch. Have you heard about this? I certainly did. Yep, it's oh, true. Did. It's true. It's yep. how how amazing is that? <laughs> That's so amazing. So for people who don't know, he basically got the word alien on on the back of a script, I believe. He then put an S on the end of the word alien, and then wrote and then put two lines through the S. <laughs> and he has come out and confirmed this, and I'm I'm all for it. And all I can imagine is the Fox Studio exec sitting in the office smoking and snorting coke and then sitting bolt upright the moment he does that, going, yes, yes, hired, yes. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> such, such great visionary. Because it was the 80s, so they were, like, smacked off their tits on cocaine, so. <laughs> and I've been sitting on that for two weeks. Yeah, no, I'd also read and heard that it was true, and I was pleased as well. <laughs> Hello, greetings, salutations, welcome to the podcast that looks back at albums, movies, and video games to ask anyone for seconds. My name is Dave. And my name is Matt. How are you doing? How are you finding 2022? It is no different to last year. The the space age of 2022. Ooh, scary. We have cannily, in the UK, decided to start the year, much like last year, and encourage working from home wherever possible. Indeed. Whilst the politicians are getting smacked off their tits on cocaine... <laughs> Um, following their own set of rules and just having going. having garden parties with cheese and wine and yeah. yeah yeah you know I make the rules I don't have to follow them and when he's not doing that he's going <laughs> damn it Boris damn damn you Boris god damn Anyway, so for those of you who don't know, last year we did a, a, a best of 2020 review type thing, and we're going to be doing the same thing again. So we're going to break it down again. Break it down now, y'all. But this time, we're doing it for 2021, rather than doing 2020 all over again. <laughs> because I know it feels like we haven't moved from 2020, 2021. It feels like we've pretty much stayed the same. We have. So again, we're going to break it down into three sections. We're going to do movies, we're going to do albums slash music, and then we're going to finish off on video games. Um, so, Matt... Yeah, sort of top three per per category as per last time, right? Some, something like that, yes. And yeah, because um, straight away, I'm going to say, I'm, I'm not sticking to those numbers. Those, <laughs> those are rookie numbers. You need to pump those numbers up. That's the one, that's the one. So... We'll start with movies, because movies is a nice, general, slow introduction, and I think we can both talk about quite easily. 
mostly for me it's it's been well ironically it is a tuesday but um it's mostly been a catch up year of cinema has bison come to your village <laughs> thank you yes he did uh, catch that uh, reference good um it's mostly been a catch up year for stuff that came out or didn't come out of the cinema in 2020 and went straight to streaming but there was a there was a couple of little bits that I did manage to catch from this year and for those of you who listened last year know that this is not limited unlike other podcast websites and YouTube and things like that we don't limit it to literally that year it's everything like our own personal bests so I I think I want to talk about 2020's uh, Possessor please do because oh my god it is amazing now I think I talked about this possibly in a side order after I watched it uh, early 2021 possibly or possibly in the summer I can't really remember now so for those of you who can't remember it was a 2020 release it topped many many genre top 10 best of lists of 2020 and I was like I'm going to catch up with this because this seems really really good it seems to have got a really really good write up so it's written and directed by Brandon Cronenberg uh, yes the son of David Cronenberg yes that one 94% score currently at time recording on Rotten Tomatoes and it's got a meta score of 72 out of 100 I think if memory serves I even got you a copy for Christmas Matt indeed you did I have yet to watch it, so it could very well feature on this list next year. <laughs> Indeed. I was like, Possessor was so fucking good, and I'm I'm going to preach to everybody about it, because, holy crap, this film is amazing. So with it being a Cronenberg, albeit Brandon Cronenberg, his son, it has got a lot of um, daddy's kind of uh, views. So, like, there's so much body horror, sci-fi wizardry and uh, a lot of weirdness as well I really really don't want to say a lot but I will say that when I watched it I sat there for about a good 5-10 minutes afterwards and my jaw was agape I was like holy crap that was amazing and I couldn't stop thinking about it for days afterwards it's one of those kind of films where it's so visceral but in a way where it just really gets into your head it's not like you see loads of gore or violence or anything like that it's more sort of implied and psychological and it just Hmm. got into my head and I was just thinking about it for days afterwards going wow that that was so so good I hadn't seen anything like it it's interesting that you say that it's stuck in your head for days and days because I'm just looking at my list yeah, and pretty much every single one of these stuck with me for days and days as well for yeah. arguably different reasons yeah I mean going back to Possessor the uh, synopsis of it because I don't want to give too much away because obviously you've got a copy Matt that I would really like you to watch and get back to me so we can have a proper conflab about it but it's um, Andrew Riseborough uh, portrays an assassin who performs her assignments through possessing the bodies of other individuals but finds herself fighting to control the body of her current host. I'm not going to say a lot more than that about 
the actual plot itself, but it kind of deals with themes of like identity and like gender and things like that. It's it's a real thinker because you're watching it. You're watching this like agent trying to influence this person because effectively what it is is she takes over the body of another person completely and she controls their body while their body while their consciousness is kind of trapped and locked away somewhere else it's very very sci-fi and very weird because again it is Cronenberg albeit his son you do get the moments of really weird body horror and sci-fi it's stunning it is visually stunning I couldn't look away honestly for the for those I think it's about 90 minutes or or something like that possibly longer actually thinking about it but I could not look away I was just constantly thinking wow this is amazing this is so good I don't know where it's going to go because I've never seen anything like that before on the screen it ah oh, it's so good I can't wait to finally meet up with someone or to to talk about this film because holy crap it is just it is glorious absolutely glorious i mean it's shot beautifully the music and like the diegetic sound this the sound design as ah oh, the sound design is absolutely amazing as well and the acting is phenomenal just the writing as well is so tight and concise it's just ah oh, it's so good i cannot recommend it enough recommendation noted <laughs> yes definitely 100% it's it's ah oh, such a great film it's one of those where I want to talk about it but I don't want to spoil it if you haven't seen it because part of the joy of it for me anyway was I went into it not even knowing a synopsis who was direct I knew it was a Brandon Cronenberg but I went in without a synopsis without having seen a trailer I knew absolutely nothing about it I was like holy crap this is fucking great (laughs) I, I, I don't really have much to say to that because you've not really said much other than it's great. So I'm kind of just like going, okay, I, I kind of don't know how to comment on that. No, it's... I it's agree, very, nor it's, disagree. It's very, very visually striking. It's one of those that's really hard to describe unless you've seen it. And it has Sean Bean in it. But whether he gets Sean Beaned, I'm not telling you. You have to watch it and find out. Well, there's a 95% chance he does get Sean Beamed. <laughs> I mean, again, spoilers. Okay, shall we move on? So, I went to the cinema quite a lot. Yes. Like, left the house in my full body hazmat suit, shotgun <laughs> at hand, taking out the zombies, left and right, to make it to the cinema to watch some movie films. Okay. Um so so the next set of films I'm going to discuss are ones that I saw at the cinema okay so first and foremost I saw Blade at the cinema yes yes we did <laughs> uh, and my notes say it's fucking Blade <laughs> it is I mean yeah for anyone not familiar Blade was originally released in 1998 uh, and and sort of just a, a little peek behind the scenes, uh, Dave and I were a tad too young to see that at the cinema when that originally released. So getting the opportunity to see that on a big screen was glorious. 
so released in 1998, directed by Stephen Norrington, wrote by David S. Goyer before he turned out a load of shite, starring <laughs> the immense Wesley Snipes, Stephen Dorff, and Chris Christopherson. This has an amazing meta score of 47. Fucking oh, heretics. Really? Heretics. 47. Is that is that modern view reviews or is that contemporary for the time? I don't know. I'd have to click it to find out. Oh no, don't do that. Don't do that. <laughs> Can't be asked for that. Um, so what can I say about Blade other than No, just everything about this movie is superb. We did discuss this a little bit on a side order at the time, but just the intro, Blade's intro, where you, you see this poor like little white boy in uh, a nightclub being drenched in blood from a sprinkler system whilst all the vampires are raving and that. Like, and yeah. when I say raving... I mean, it's a nightclub. They're they're raving. They're not <laughs> like raving mad. They're they're like got whistles and glow sticks, and it's <laughs> big fish uh, and fish just, box. Yeah, uh, and they're just like raving, and this guy's like crawling on the floor until uh, one of the vampires turns to him and tries to attack him, and everyone's gang up and on ganging up on him, and he's like crawling away, like screaming, and he just stops at this pair of like boots, and he looks up, and he's fucking Wesley Snipes, and he just wastes everybody. Uh, <laughs> it's 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 fucking amazing. Aged so so well, it's not really dated. I mean, all right, some of the the CG moments and things, they look a bit that not not great by today's standards, but it's not enough to really distract from. Uh, the the film in general, yeah. Like there's a few bits of like hokey um, CG, but you know what? It's from 1998. It, it's fine because so much of it was done practical, and the fact yeah. that Wesley Snipes is such a good martial is such a good martial artist really pays dividends. So this like film had a bo- budget of like 45 million, and it made 131 million. And this film hell. essentially got Marvel out of debt. Yeah. The thing that everybody forgets. Name the first black superhero. And everybody goes, oh, yes, well, it was uh, so and so. It's like, no, you're wrong. It was fucking Blade. Where's the Snipes? <laughs> they're like, well, what about what was the first R rated superhero film? And they're like, oh, yes, well, it was uh, so and like, No, wrong. It was Blade. <laughs> 1998. And anybody yeah. that says that Blade isn't a superhero is mistaken. Um, like, he's more of an anti-hero, but in terms of if you're to categorise him, he is a comic book character. Thereby, he he falls into that thing, and it is a fucking disservice that everybody forgets him when when things like that are discussed. Um, and I'm just I'm just a big fan of the film and everything he did like uh, well known trivia is that Wesley Snipes actually changed a lot of the characters backstory to have him part vampire and um, have all the vampire super abilities and say before that in the comics he was just a person that couldn't get turned into a vampire Mm. and you're like what brilliant fucking idea to, to do that and yeah just brilliant and let's not forget the best bit where where he's just drained this woman of blood and he's just shouting frost <laughs> and then beats his way through like 25 dudes in like the coolest way possible for his final showdown and you're like yes yes frost well, you know what they say 
Some motherfuckers are always trying to ice skate uphill. They sure are. <laughs> I, I, I mean, I've got to agree with that. I mean, Blade is so good. Such a good yeah. film, considering it really shouldn't have been. And the fact it was kind of like, like you say, this tossed out for what, $45 million or something like that, a budget for 1998. Yep. That's not really a lot when you think about it, especially not in today's world with kind of three, uh, at least like $100 million or whatever. It's kind of like cheap and, you know, we'll just toss it out and see what happens. And it's gone on to spawn this million-selling franchise. Uh, it's getting a reboot, you know, in a couple of years' time with uh, Mahershala Ali. And, I, I, d- you know, I do know that. Well, yeah, obviously. I'm looking and- forward to it, but I am kind of sad that it's not Wesley Snipes. But I, I understand the reasons why. Um, but I just hope that he channels what, to my mind, makes Blade so cool. Yeah. Time will tell on that. So, yeah, uh, my first pick was Blade from 1998 as one of the my favourite films of cinema 2021. <laughs> nice. Just, nice. Let that, just let that statement sit. Anyway, <laughs> right. I'll, I'll do. I'll do one next. One that you've probably not heard of. Okay. I'm going genre again because, of course, I am. Is is it Italian? It's not Italian. No, it's not. Do you know? I think, ironically, we actually spoke about this either on a grand day out or a side order that failed so I'm going to recycle that content right now because oh <laughs> holy crap it was good <laughs> so act surprised if you've heard this before Matt if you haven't heard this before act surprised if you generally can't remember then go with it yeah so yep. I watched uh, I think it was April of this year and it, surprisingly for a 2021 list I've actually got a film that was actually released in 2021 Mm-hmm. Oh, I was expecting a bit more there, but okay, no, we'll go with it. <laughs> oh, wow, that's amazing! There we go, that's what I wanted. <laughs> so, this film is called A Little More Flesh 2. It premiered at the Soho Horror Festival online in April uh, during the. I think we were still in lockdown, possibly. At that point, were we in lockdown in April? Uh, I can't remember now. If we weren't, we were in between, just having a little breather before going back in, buying more shotgun shells. More, more than likely, I don't know. A lot, all these lockdowns blurred together. It's just ugh. anyway. Moving on. So this film's directed by Sam Ashurst, who some of you might know from the Arrow Video podcast. He uh, does that with somebody else whose name escapes me now. Don't know. Can't remember. I'm very sorry. But yes, uh, this film, <laughs> if you look for it on Rotten Tomatoes or Metacritic, doesn't actually have a score. And that's based purely of the fact that this film is fucking hard to find. Uh, it does have a 4.6 out of 10 on IMDb, though. Again, that is mainly due to the fact you can't find it. I actually went on the unofficial sponsor website, Just Watch, to see if I can find it. And it doesn't even have a profile on there, which just... I don't even know, <laughs> but I know oh, quality. If you are if you are curious though, after I've talked about it, um, you can get it on VHS. Uh, no, <laughs> it, 
it's a super they did it as a super duper limited edition VHS double box set with the first film but um yeah we'll come back to that so for me this is another one like Possessor it stuck with me for days now again to give you a very very loose background of this this was filmed during the UK lockdown of 2020 but it's different from 2020's host because host is presented as a zoom skype call kind of seance thing this is completely different it's very very clever the way they've done it so to give you kind of a really really brief synopsis i have to go to imdb to get that because it doesn't even have a Wikipedia page. Because of course it doesn't. This is how fucking small this thing is. That's um, because you've not wrote it yet for them. Very, very true. Okay, so when director Sam Ashurst sets out to make Stalker, the follow-up to his hit movie, A Little More Flesh, he hires actress Harley D and poet Sean Mahoney for a collaborative process inspired by Dogma 95. It's a thing I will explain in a moment. But when Sean drops out of the project, Sam decides to finish his film by any means necessary. So I'm going to ask Matt, Dogma95, are you aware of it? Do you know of it? No. Uh, Championed by people like Lars von Trio and stuff. And basically it's to try and present your film as realistically as possible, if memory serves correctly. I may be wrong, but basically that's the gist of it. So there's like no artificial lighting. It's all natural lighting. All it's all proper backgrounds, uh, like shot on location and stuff like that. With me, just like Star Wars. Exactly, just like the Star Wars. But um, this this film, like I said, it stuck with me for days after. It is again. It's it's extremely psychological. You don't really see any violence or anything like that. A lot of it is implied. You either see the aftermath or you see, uh, like I say, a lot of it is implied. It is so tense and unnerving. It is just, I sat there watching it. I think I watched it 11 o'clock at night. I had all the curtains closed. I had my tablet. I had my earphones in. I had it like as loud as possible as I could get it. And I was watching it. And honestly, this film just it stuck with me just because it's so fucking freaky and so creepy. But it's not like in an overtly kind of scaring you kind of way. It's one of those really sort of like like I said, it's very, very psychological because it kind of sticks with you. So I I don't want to spoil it again, but you have to remember is that this film aired on a section of part of Soho Horror uh, Festival online as part of like um, it aired as like a block as to promote uh, kind of not violence towards women but basically highlighting uh, highlighting it and put a spotlight on it that's the word I'm going to that's what I'm going to use it's kind of putting a spotlight okay. on it um, because because it's shot in lockdown and things like that obviously nobody can get together and a lot of it is kind of static camera and like shot on like uh, handheld phones 
and cameras and things like that. And Sam Ashurst as well. He he plays like a like a a twisted, deranged version of himself, basically forcing this main character to do things that. Again, I don't want to spoil it because holy crap, it is amazing. The the um when when certain acts that the lead character is made to do, there is like this low buzzing hum like a drone and with the actions on screen it's unbearably you know like when you watch something you can't look away you physically cannot look away oh yeah I, like when i watch blade yeah i i wanted to do it with this because it was so uncomfortable so kind of the poster for it is there's this scene in the film where our lead character is made to wrap herself up in like bandages she then draws like a face on the bandages with like lipstick and she just sits there with this glass of milk in front of her and she's just sitting there with all these bandages on and things she's just sat there and she sits there and you're like what is going to happen next and she sits there and you've got this low ominous drone as well kind of just playing and she still sits there and like maybe two three minutes later she takes a she drinks this whole entire glass of milk and then she puts it down and the drone's still going and she sits there and she sits there i know it doesn't sound like a lot but when you see it on screen you're like it's so uncomfortable it's really really creepy the the lead role played by harley d she is absolutely mesmerizing because because she sells it so so well this this uncomfortableness and you know it's again it's a hard one to describe without you seeing the film and know exactly what I'm talking about but if you do get a chance to see it it is a very very hard watch I'm not going to lie it's not going to be for everyone so I'm going to put a content warning on that but it's Honestly, it's astounding. It's an astounding piece of uh, cinema, considering it was made, like I said, during the UK lockdown of 2020. So, yeah, a little more flesh too. It's um, yeah, it's it's a lot to take in. <laughs> hmm. Well, hopefully, your next choice will actually have some uh, the ability for a bit of conversation. Um, yeah, that's the problem. Until that time. Until that time, it's my turn again. Yes, please, please bring the mood back in. So, so I went to the cinema a lot last year. Yes. And I want to talk about this this little um, trilogy of films from this uh, indie <laughs> filmmaker I saw. Yeah. Going by the name of Peter Jackson. H- have you ever heard of something called Lord of the Rings? Do you know, I've not heard of Lord of the Rings, but I love Peter Jackson because Meet the Feebles is a fucking excellent film and Braindead is one of one of my favourite all-time horror gore movies. What in God's name is going on here? Stay back, boy. This calls for divine intervention. I kick ass for the Lord. So is Lord of the Rings in a similar kind of vein and style or is it more like The Frighteners? Uh more like the frighteners in terms of the fantastical like this poor chap over the course of uh i believe six months starting in 1999 <laughs> filmed 
<laughs> a free film tri- yeah I'm going to stop pissing about <laughs> yeah um, my local cinema show the Lord of the Rings trilogy uh, on consecutive weekends so I once again as I did back in the early 2000s got to see the Lord of the Rings trilogy on the big screen in 4k restoration nice so just to throw some stats at you originally released 2001 2002 2003 one yep. a year uh, had a combined budget for those three films of 281 million want to guess how much it made all of the money 2.9 billion what all three of them combined jesus yeah so we have a, free, a total theatrical runtime of 558 minutes Though, of course, if you're a lucky devil and watch it extended, that's a total of 686 minutes combined. Uh, so, again, we discussed this at the time on um, on a side order. I was so pleased to have seen the Lord of the Rings trilogy on the big screen, getting even more appreciation from it after yeah. all these years. You know, it's been like 20 years, uh, give or take, and to be able to watch them on the big screen again, go straight back to the Shire and go, oh, for fuck's sake, watch Sam's the hero. Why is everybody giving Sam, Samwise the shit? Like, Middle Earth would have been doomed if it wasn't for this dude. <laughs> they should make statues of that man. Like, Even if it's even, they should make statues of him for his most excellent potato cooking skills. Yeah. You know, toes. You know, boil and mash them, stick them in the stew. You know, potatoes. Yeah. Yeah. No, honestly, I, there's so much I could say about this trilogy. Um, but all I will say is, Sean Bean got bean. <laughs> <laughs> yes, he did at the end of the first film. It was good endings for him, though, to be fair. Considering most Bean films have him die within about five minutes of his initial little in- introduction. Yeah. He did he well. He does, like, the in- damn near the entire film, and he goes out like a badass. I think it takes six arrows to take him down in the end. Um, just the whole time killing orcs. Well, no, sorry, it wasn't even orcs. It was Orokai. See, none of this fucking, um, none of this fucking Elder Scroll stuff. I was going to help you, but then I took an arrow to the knee. Fucking Sean Bean, like, six arrows in his chest. And he's still going. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, it, true. I don't think there's anything new. I can't give any insightful takes on this trilogy because it's all been said before. And all I really need to say is if you haven't seen this, fuck off. <laughs> Go watch it. And if you don't like it, just fuck off the planet. Just don't come back. No, no, no. They need to come back to listen to the podcast. Um, no, no, just just fuck off. I never want to interact <laughs> with someone that doesn't like the Lord of the Rings trilogy. Oh dear! Like, 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 if we're talking about the Hobbit trilogy, then okay. Now I'm prepared to have that conversation because that that is quite poor. But no, the Lord of the Rings trilogy superb. Um, Hugo Weaving just out of nowhere, like Lord Elrond, amazing. Viggo Mortensen, brilliant casting as well. Did Did you hear? Did you know? just to go down that whole internet meme thing one time on set yeah no I'm not going to do the meme um, so Ian McCallum just a brilliant thing do you even know what the joke was I was making no. there 
did you know that during the filming of The Two Towers, when Viggo Mortensen kicks a hat and he shouts in pain, which was showing the emotion of thinking the hobbits have been burnt alive, he actually broke his toe. And that's an internet meme where it says, did you know? <laughs> and it's got a picture of him kicking this hat. I can't believe you've never seen that. No, I haven't. I'm generally, I'm generally don't know this. Now on the internet, anytime someone like drops a bit of um, movie trivia, someone goes, if that blew your mind, this one time on Lord of the Rings, <laughs> or did you know in Lord of the Rings, and it's like one of the most commonly known bits of movie trivia ever. <laughs> okay. As Hugo Weaving, who is just superb as Lord Elrond, uh, of course, Sir Ian McKellen, just every scene he's in is superb. Ego Mortensen was brilliant casting. Sean Astin, you know, Samwise the Brave, fucking hell, man. Yeah, there's just so much I could say about this, but I won't because we're on a time constraint. So, <laughs> what's your next movie? And is it one that we can actually discuss or... Or is it just a case of going, here's another obscure thing that's going to be very awkward and drag the tone down? <laughs> no, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, to I'm gonna discuss another 2020 film. Because it seems like all I watched this year, like I say, was literally everything from last year that I missed. So this is a, uh, a little-known film by a really, really small indie company called Pixar. Uh, yeah, I've heard of them. They're the ones that do the drawings, right, with the computers. That's the one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You you might know them for um playing with toys or and, and stuff. Uh, anyway, so this film. Oh uh, yeah, and they have those um car things. That's, yeah. that's those, the one. Uh, that's the one. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So this film is called Soul. No, not heard of that. You not heard of that one? So this one, it's directed by Pete Doctor who, for those of you who don't know, he is the director of films for Pixar, like Monsters, Inc., Up, and arguably my favourite Pixar film, Inside Out. Uh, I've got a Rotten Tomatoes score on this one of 95%, and the meta score is, I believe, time of writing, is 83 out of 100. This film, it's got an all-star cast of uh, Jamie Foxx, playing the lead role you've got Tina Fey you've even got Richard Ayoade in there as well I I loved this film so much it's it is absolutely unreal so it's so life-affirming and really really lovely it's beautifully animated and kind of I'm, I'm not gonna lie I was absolutely bawling my eyes out by the end of this film because holy crap it just it just got me in the in the only how bloody uh, Pixar can because I must admit we were watching uh, Luca the other night uh, which I think is one of the more uh, I think it's from either this year uh, 2021 possibly and I must admit I got to the end of that film and I could just feel myself going I was like god damn it man what's wrong with you fucking cartoons making you cry I loved the soundtrack to Soul it's a really interesting one so it's like a soundtrack of two halves you've kind of got half of it where because the main character is like a jazz musician and a jazz teacher, you've got this half of the soundtrack, which is like jazz and big band and, and ironically soul and things like that by John Batiste. And then you've got this other half of the soundtrack, which is kind of more electronic, more kind of uh, sci-fi and things like that, actually done by Trent Reznor and Atticus Ross, uh, of Nine Inch Nails fame. I've heard of them. Yeah. So to give you a really sort of brief uh, 
kind of plot synopsis. The film centres on a music teacher, Joe Gardner, played by Jamie Foxx, seeking, seeking to reunite his soul and his body after they're accidentally separated just before his big break as a jazz musician. You think, well, that doesn't really sound like a lot, but it's like a really fantastical journey that only Pixar can take you on. It's Like I say, it's beautifully animated, and the interactions between all of the characters are just so true to life in only that Pixar can kind of do. You know what I mean? It's it's weird with Pixar films because although they're not actually like real car- like real uh people, but the way they animate them and the way that you know, the way it's been written, it makes them feel so alive. When you look at something like Toy Story uh bugger, Toy Story 3, the end of that film, um the way it's kind of been left off and things like that it, they just feel so alive and they feel you know living and breathing and that's kind of what they do here obviously you've got the cutesy stuff in there as well like how the, the actual souls themselves look which is kind of kind of really joyous like little mini ghost type things is really joyous um but yeah i absolutely love this film there's not really a lot more i can say about it to be honest it's it's a Pixar film. They keep they're maintaining their high standards after you know a little bit of a drop off with like Cars and Cars Two, mainly the Cars, cars film. Three. Uh, cars Three isn't too bad, to be honest. It kind of I, elevated I, the series. Can I just can I just stop you there? I didn't even know there was a Cars Three. I was tr- I was just being facetious. <laughs> There's actually a Cars Three. Yeah, there is actually a Cars Three. Yeah, oh, and it's dear. actually not bad. I'm just gonna let that sink in. I'm going to press X and say doubt, but okay. <laughs> if you looked past it going, ah, oh, it's just another Pixar film. and Honestly, I would, like I say, it's so life-affirming and it is so lovely in in only a way that, you know, Pixar can do. And especially with, you know, because I find myself looking at the director and I'm going, well, Monsters, Inc. was a fucking banger to start with, right? You've then got up... Yeah, pretty- Prequel sucked balls though, didn't it? Yeah, Monsters University isn't that good, but Monsters Inc. is fucking phenomenal. It still holds up now. Uh, you've got Up. Mm. You've got Up, which has, you know, those opening 10, 15 minutes with, with the love story just gets me yeah. every single time. It's phenomenal. Tells a better story in five minutes than what the entire Star Wars uh, sequel trilogy did in over three films. Yeah. And even, like I say, and my- they didn't say a word. Exactly, my personal favourite, uh, Inside Out, which I will always bloody stand out for because I love that film so much. Uh, have you seen it, Inside Out, Matt? Uh, I haven't actually. I've seen the trailer. That's not bad for me. <laughs> I think you've been far too happy and you've brought the mood up too much now, so I'm going to take a leaf out of your book and bring the tone down. Oh, So I, again, went to the cinema a lot last year. Yes, and I, and I watched a film that's also part of a trilogy. Yeah. That also originally released in 2003. Okay. Has a meta score of 77. Okay. And it's in Korean. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, is he buzzing in? Does he know what I'm talking about? Yeah, you're talking about old boy. Yeah. Yes, I am. Yeah. I've wanted to see this film for the longest time. And again... They did a special screening at the cinema after taking out a wave of zombies. We made it. <laughs> we we sat and watched Old Boy. I was like, F- 
fuck me is that amazing so so some stats for that so i've just told you the met score but this had a budget of three million dollars wow that much and it made yeah and it made 15 million dollars and you're probably all going that's not very much but this is a south korean film this is unheard of for for their cinema at that time Mm. this one i believe the 2003 or 2004 um film festival with quentin tarantino basically masturbating over how great the film is you said at the start of the podcast that pretty much most of the things you want to talk about stuck with you this film stuck with me for multiple days and much like all of the films you've discussed i can't really say anything about this well <laughs> spoilers other than um i think my notes say wow what can i say wanting to see it for a long time uh, that ending reveal, fucking hell! Oh and also, god, yes. The one-shot corridor fight scene, which I've seen lots of things pay homage to in the years gone by, was amazing. Yes. Oh um, my god, that fight scene in the corridor! Holy crap! Yes. Yes. yes yeah. With if the I hammer, had a hammer and oh, I'd hammer god. in the morning. Yeah. If I had a hammer. I'd hammer in the morning. <laughs> I'd hammer in the evening. Yeah, so when I reference a lot of you who are familiar with this, we're going trilogy. And this is a uh, not a trilogy officially, it's a thematic a spiritual, trilogy. Yeah. yeah, thematic trilogy. It's the Vengeance trilogy. Yeah. Um, so again, old boy, if you haven't seen it, go watch it, then come chat to us about it. Ho- holy crap. Yeah, I've got to agree. Old boy was absolutely phenomenal when we saw it seeing something like that at the cinema is just it's unheard of nowadays well it is unheard of because films like that just don't get made anymore and when they do they're generally remakes of them and now i haven't seen the remake but honestly i wouldn't want to <laughs> i was gonna to. say speaking of remakes this film had a remake and it sucked balls yeah it was um josh brolin if memory serves in the lead role I don't see how he could pull off that character at all. I can't see well, it. I mean, he's a phenomenal problem act. with American remakes. I mean, he is a phenomenal they, actor, uh, but I just can't see him doing it. The, the the thing is, where this film is so Asian in in terms of the premise. Yeah, I can't see a lot of that happening in the Western world, and I can't comment about what any of that is because it is just all spoilers but yes. th- that initial premise of from the start of the film to midway through the film you're like to up to the point of the suitcase you're like well that just wouldn't happen in the west yeah well even when um, you look at even when you look at when they sit down at the sit down at the the um the restaurant at the start of the film mm. and he eats it's a very very famous scene that I'm not sure if people will be aware of it but he takes like a bite out of a is it an octopus or is it a squid I can't remember yeah. now it's I definitely one of those he, uh, in filming it he had three live squids and as a Buddhist he then had to uh, sit and pray after the take had happened yeah yeah and you just think that's that seems so alien to us in, in, in the west but obviously in, in kind of their culture and things uh, like that it's it's just uh, so normal I'd imagine in the American remake, um, it's done at a, uh, uh, a McDonald's. <laughs> he just voraciously rips into a into a Big Mac. 
<laughs> and a Big Mac and fries. <laughs> you know what they call a Big Mac in, yeah. a, in France? Caught a pound of cheese. <laughs> Sam says that. Uh... <laughs> okay, so that, that's all I want to say on that. Do you have any more films? I've got one more that I can talk about. Um, this can possibly cause uh, discourse because you've seen this film, I believe. Memory serves. Okay. So I, I want to take you back to 1995. We're we talking Batman Forever. No, we're not. <laughs> uh, oh. It is one of the quintessential films of that kind of style and uh, genre so to speak is it heat again it's not talking about heat that we talked about last not heat so i want to talk about ghost in the shell okay yeah yeah so mamoru i'm so gonna get this name wrong so i apologize in advance uh directed by mamoru oshii uh, directs it. It's got a meta score of seventy six. It's ninety six percent on Rotten Tomatoes. So I say technically it's nineteen ninety five. The version I saw was the brand new four K uh, restored print that I saw at an IMAX. And holy crap! I think I watched it maybe once when I was about ten or eleven. And I just didn't really get it. It just didn't click because I was kind of watching it, going, "Well, wh- when does all the cool stuff happen? When when does when does it happen?" And I'm kind of watching it now. I'm a little bit older. I'm a bit more versed in the world, and you know, know a bit more about films and storytelling. I was like, "Holy crap! This is there is so much going on in this." You know, it is like the king of all influences from like people like James Cameron have spoke spoke about how much of a big influence this was on his filmmaking not that he would fucking see it because unobtainium fucking blue cats anyway I digress Um, so even the Wachowskis uh, drawing their style and visuals kind of from this film influencing them to like make the Matrix and even even stuff like arguably Speed Racer as well I would imagine it kind of takes visual elements and keys from this film um like i say this is really kind of deep film it kind of talks about themes of humanity what it is to be human and kind of again identity gender things like that all all things that are still relevant to this day so it's almost timeless in a way you know um seeing it in the imax and seeing these gorgeous visuals of like a a, a I don't want to use the word cyberpunk because I fucking hate cyberpunk. But I guess it kind of is. Kind of this uh, cyberpunk cityscape and uh, absolutely visually stunning. And again, the opening sequence with uh, the lead character essentially being uh, upgraded into kind of like this cyborg uh, human hybrid with like a what they describe as like a ghost in the machine Uh, with the accompanying soundtrack ah chills down my spine every single time i hear it goosebumps literal goosebumps on end and i've got to say as well this actually really did get me into sort of looking into anime again which is something i've wanted to do for many many years so i mean off off the back of this i then watched akira i've got a couple of series of the ghost in the shell uh anime over there uh standalone complex i need to watch it's on the list ironically haha buzzword 
but it's on the list. I've got Ghost in the Shell 2, the film on Blu-ray, I've got to watch over there, but um, I've even got the remake to watch, but that's uh, hashtag content uh, for later down the line. But yeah, what more can I say about Ghost in the Shell, to be honest? It is, it's a timeless classic film that just begs to have your attention and demand it, you know? It's, hmm. it's so, so good. Have you got anything to say about Ghost in the Shell? I, I saw it in the 90s and I liked it. I don't remember <laughs> it, so I need to rewatch it. Fair, fair. Okay, I thought I was going to yeah, create discourse, yeah. but um, no, apparently not. No, I, 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 it's so long ago that I watched it. It's not recent enough in my memory to actually uh, have a decent conversation about it. Do you know what, though? I must admit, when I saw it, I think the next day I actually went out and bought it as well. It kind of, yeah... It, it got yeah, to I've me got in a on, big, big I've way. I've got it on Blu-ray. Yeah. yeah, I think I've got the same steelbook, actually. Because I went out of my mm. way to buy the steelbook. So. <laughs> yeah. Right, so moving along then. My turn. So, last year in 2021, I, I went to the, the cinema. cinema a lot. Yes. So after emptying my shotgun out and firing many rounds off, taking out another horde of zombies, and fuck me, are those guys persistent? <laughs> I saw a film that has a 74 meta score, had a budget of 165 million, a box office of 397 million. Okay. Comes from this uh, Canadian director, I don't know if you've ever heard of him, called Denis Villeneuve. Oh, yes. So last year, I got to see Dune on the big screen. Holy crap. Yes. Yes, I knew you were going to bring this along. That's why I purposely didn't. (laughs) <laughs> so my notes say wowzers right uh, what can I say about this film other than firstly, first and foremost I'm so glad that Denis held his nerve and went no fuck you studio you're not putting this out on VOD this is a big screen release oh, to, to show God, this film yes. in any other manner would be a disservice and having watched this on the big screen I wholeheartedly concur I reckon if I'd watched this on VOD, I wouldn't have enjoyed it half as much as what I did on the big screen, because the visuals, the the atmosphere, the the sound just is so much better, and just so majestic on a big screen. I think if I'd watched that on a VOD, I was gonna say, can you imagine trying to watch that opening scene on like a phone screen? No. It would just be... It would be wrong. Like, what can I say about this film other than... It delivered. Um, has some subtle changes from, from the source material novel. Mm. Um, had no objections to it. Had some massive fucking changes to the 80s movie, and thank Christ to that. <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, I'm quite thankful for that as well, because I can actually follow this. <laughs> <laughs> I just really enjoyed this film. Uh, there's so much I could say about it. Um, I think at this point, most folk, if you're going to see it, you would have seen it. If you're going to read the it, you would have read it. Because it's been published since the 1950s. I, I think the casting was brilliant. I really liked Timothy Chalamet playing, uh, as playing the main character for Paul Atreides. Yeah. I can't fault him. Uh, I really like Javier Bardem as Stilgar. 
how Jason Momoa playing Duncan Idaho. Come on, what an American. Duncan <laughs> Idaho. Um, yeah. Yeah, no, honestly, just superb. And you kind of look at this and go, this is what I want from my sci-fi. Yes. Like, there's no need to, for lots to be happening and lasers and light shows and move, move, move. And no, the audience won't tolerate a more complex... Uh, slower paced uh, thought through plot um, mm. you, you know I really enjoyed this um, and I'm I'm so glad it did get that cinema release um, and that the pandemic didn't completely fuck it I think arguably the pandemic probably helped him gain more groundswell by starting the argument again this is not going to streaming yeah and drew and that drew attention to it. I think more so. Yeah, I think it also helped the delay with Zendaya becoming more popular. Um, in that in between time as well helped it because she featured quite a bit in the uh, advertisement for the film, and yeah. I think that probably helped it reach markets wouldn't have necessarily. But yeah, no superb film. I, I highly recommend anybody watching that on TV but you just have to pretend you're in a cinema Yeah, uh, you have to, to watch it in a quiet room you, you can't be eating food you need to watch it in silence and just draw it in and have it on loud and if your neighbours complain you need to shoot them <laughs> with a shotgun and, if you haven't um, already because of the pandemic I mean come on because of the pandemic you need to finish them off and just just take this in and just go yeah and then, much like me, you have to hope and pray we get a sequel and that the sequel doesn't suck because too much time has passed between yeah. principal filming and now. Because, yes, this film was meant to release last year, but it would have been in pre-production for a while. And some of the cast are young. Yeah. Give that a little while. Will they have aged up too much where it's going to bother me? Mm. Potentially. Look what mm. happened with Harry Potter films. They took a took their time, and then they went, "Oh shit! All these children are aging." And uh, by the end of it, you had like twenty something playing a fifteen year old having to shave between in between takes. And with Harry Potter, I think it was unavoidable because obviously, given the death of um, the original Dumbledore actor, so they had to recast. Uh, I want to say his name was Richard Harris. Uh, yes, it was. Yeah, obviously they had an extra year or so to obviously kind of recast and find someone right for the role but kind of in a bittersweet way I'm kind of glad it happens for that but yeah I totally get what you mean with going back to Dune I completely get what you mean because yeah it it can possibly be quite jarring because you know that difference between like a year or two years or whatever can really really make a difference yeah this is the thing was the Lord of the Rings trilogy so good because it was filmed all at once yeah in, in one thing so you don't get any everybody looks the same mm. all the productions the same all of the light all of the crew um, all of the equipment's the same it's all done at the same time whereas if you're trying to do two films for one story if there's a large period of time between them mm. if they use different cameras next time or if they don't get the lighting quite the same yeah. you could just end up with slight variances or if he gets a different um, second unit director or yeah. if he can't get the same production crew back, you'll get slightly different interpretations and you'll yeah. be like, hmm, 
that could be problematic. Like I have confidence. Like he knows what he's doing, because it's still an evil nerve. Oh, of course, yeah. You know, but I do have those concerns. But also, I still want a sequel, and I just hope that box office number I read out is enough to justify. Well, I mean, they justify have... again. I mean, they're green lit, but is it going to get the budget it deserves? Well, you would hope so because for the budget this film had, it was it looks absolutely astounding. Even kind of the still shots of just like uh, the planet. I can't remember what the name of the planet is now. Is it Planet Attack? Arrakis? Arrakis? Arrakis. I don't. I can't remember. Arrakis. Arrakis, yeah, yeah even when you... Locally known as Dune. That's the one, yes. Planet Dune. Fucking... The planet with all the fucking spice on. Even when you've got kind of the low sweeping shots of just like uh, spaceships flying in and out, it's visually absolutely gorgeous. And if they didn't have the budget for that, you could only imagine kind of like how hokey it would look with it, you know? It's really yeah. kind of... It has amazing production value and it uses it well. It's not like, you know, like Star Wars going, yeah, we've got all this money, we're just going to fucking throw this at it, we're going to throw that at it, you know. It's actually money spent well. Mm. And again, the casting is is spot on. Again, I'm not... I haven't read the books and obviously you can comment on this. I thought the writing was really tight for the film. It felt like the right the editing felt like it was really well paced as well and uh, there was a natural conclusion where I thought there was going to be because again I know you came out and you said fucking hell you were kind of like well we're two hours in we're only like halfway through the first book or whatever meanwhile I was like yeah we must be getting near near the end of the first book now you know and I was completely fine with it because again I was kind of captivated obviously by all of everything that's going on like all the visuals and you know Again, like you said, it's you don't need to have all of like the pomposity of like uh, fucking laser spaceship battles and things like that, which arguably they could have done with it, you know. But uh, just they did to double back to what you said with the natural stopping point. The book actually does have um, a stop point before it then carries on, and I thought the film was going to go to that stop point, but it didn't. It stopped notably before that stop point, which confuse me because if they'd had got done the film to that stop point and then the second film or the second film part two whatever they call it was carrying that on then I wouldn't have necessarily minded this gap in production and filming yeah um, but again I don't I don't want to spoil it specifically for you yeah yeah because I haven't got a clue where it's going to go I mean all I know is what we saw of the uh, David Lynch version and I wasn't keen on that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Bloody hell, Sting. <laughs> I was fine with Sting. It was the fucking giant floating tadpole thing that I had the problem yeah. with. And and the really yeah, weird end credits much. that was like fucking music video, you know? So mm. strange. So strange. Such a strange film. <laughs> so, so any... So anyway, uh, last year I went to the cinema a lot. Oh my god! <laughs> and I uh, had to take this time my shotgun jammed, so I had to break out uh, 
my assault rifle just to start like clearing away through these crowds mm-hmm. to go and see the most hyped up film of the year that made all of the money and when I say all of the money I mean 1.2 billion dollars yep all of the money uh, how could I not mention Spider-Man No Way Home yeah okay I've mentioned it now so on to music yeah yeah let's go music let's yeah. go music cool we'll do a yep. little we'll Sweet. do a cut here we'll see you in a moment Okay, and and we're back. We're back. Welcome back to the review. Did you enjoy the Did you enjoy the film section? Because because we're moving on now. Sorry, promise. Sorry, were you asking me or were you asking the audience? Any, anyone that's listening at this point. <laughs> uh, okay. Okay, so we're gonna we're gonna be talking music now. So. Uh, okay. Okay. I think we should Kick us off then. I've got a feeling that you are going to be surprisingly sparse on this one, Matt, because I know you like music, but you're not as dialed in to uh dialed into things as of uh, you know you know what I'm trying to get at. Yeah. Yeah. You like what you like and you stick with it. You don't really tend to branch out. Yeah, I I don't venture out. We do, and you take a shotgun with you naturally, as we've discussed. Yeah, yeah. So, do you want do you want to kick off with your with your selection? No, I'd like you to uh, to to comment to 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 to. to. I'd like you to pave the way, please. Okay, so I shall. Twenty twenty one was the year of Bandcamp for me. It honestly, it took over my listening this year, unbelievably, all believably. Although before we come on to my Bandcamp picks, there is a very notable exception to this, and that is "Dictator" by Darren Malakian and the Scars on Broadway. Mm-hmm. Tell me. So, more. so Matt knows this one. Well, he knows the band anyway. <laughs> so yeah, I, I know the band. Yeah. So this was actually released in 2018, but I did a little bit of digging on this. Turns out it was actually recorded in 2012. What? In a span of 10 days by Darren Malakian himself. And he did everything on this album. He did guitars, he did bass, he did the drums, he obviously did the vocals... He wrote the theme tune. He sung the theme tune. He, he, he demanded everything. He produced it as well. He recorded it. He did everything on this fucking album. And you're going, Dave, why Why was it recorded in 2012 and not released until 2018? Yeah? Am, yeah, am I right t- in thinking tell that? Tell me why. Uh, I, I, am, I am curious about that. So Why? How dare he deprive us? So he announced it after the, uh, the original... Um, 
the original debut album came out, I think it was around 2008, 2009 time. He did announce that he's got more songs and stuff in his back pocket. He even played a couple of these songs at a couple of shows that kind of got bootlegged and stuff that went around the internet for a little while. I was one of these people who naturally had to get the bootlegs because, of course I did. Because why not? So it turns out that he was hoping that he was going to do something with System of a Down whether it was going to be he mm. was going to use this music as System of a Down tracks or whatever but as it turned out with the way things were going at that time they weren't going to and naturally they've just they couldn't agree on a I think they did try and go into the studio once or twice during this period before 2020 um but they couldn't agree on a sound or what they were going to do, so he went, fuck it, I'm going to put it out myself. I'll do it myself. He did a Thanos. Um, so I didn't even realise that this came out. I knew that there was going to be a second album. I, I was still thinking, huh, it must be due out soon. And I kind of looked it up. I think after talking about um, System of a Down uh, previously, when they put out their new music in 2020... I think I think I was listening back to that, and I was like, "Huh, I wonder if Scars on Broadway ever did put out that second album, and and this is what they did." <laughs> so I gotta say, I thought the debut was pretty good. It's really catchy, but holy shit, this second one, so so much better. My main problem with the debut is that it's very very repetitive. The songs are very repetitive. They're good don't get me wrong they're heavy and you know they're typical uh system of a down light but they were very repetitive in nature it was very riff chorus riff chorus you know maybe a bridge if you're lucky riff chorus riff chorus it was very repetitive it wasn't a lot going on this has a lot more going on on it it's still the politically charged uh kind of darren malachian that you know and it is aggressive with that system of a down catchiness that's kind of trademark for them. Uh, best tracks, though, for me, on this album, is a track called Talking Shit, uh, which got frequently bootlegged a lot before this album came out because they played it at live shows and stuff, and it's very, very melodic. It's a very, very cool guitar line and stuff. I will actually send that on to you now, Matt, while we're talking about it, and you can have a listen. It's, it's easily the, the, the best uh, song on the album. So I've just sent Matt the track Talking Shit now, and he'll know exactly what I'm talking about when he hears that. It's kind of really cool instrumental uh, guitar melodies going on while you've got Darren over the top kind of singing his normal uh, wispy vocals. And, uh, it's phenomenal. It's, it's the kind of thing that you didn't get on a debut album that, that it needed so desperately. Uh, there's another track as well called Angry Guru, and that is so, so catchy, but it is so aggressive with it. It kind of punches you in the face, and oh my god, there's just not a lot I can say without playing clips from this album, because holy shit, it is fantastic. Like I say, um, it is a shame that it wasn't worked into System of a Down material, but honestly, if Darren's solo stuff is, is going to be as strong as this, then I'm fine with it, honestly because this is such a tight album it's only like uh, 40-45 minutes or something like that and it is the perfect length honestly I had this on repeat since I found out about it um, 
I think for the majority of this year, it's yeah, so so good. Yeah, uh, listening to the intro, that that is really catchy. Yeah, um, I'll have to check that out. Okay, so is it my turn? It is your turn. Yes, please do. So last year, um, I didn't listen to any music at all, and I couldn't always make it to the cinema. Sometimes I had to stay in because Boris, <laughs> fucking Boris. So I wanted to talk about another film I watched because I don't care about rules <laughs> or categories or or, or or compliance. So I want to talk about a little film I watched earlier in the year f- from this guy that everybody hates called Zack Snyder. Oh, fuck off. I want to talk about fuck off. Zack Snyder's Justice League, oh. the four-hour, four-free format film that I loved it It was superb it, it had everything in it that I wanted it to have in it and a fuckload of shit I didn't want in it but Holy Balls was so much better than what Josh Whedon put out um, it's almost a shame now that The Flash is going to erase um, everything from the universe but at least the, the silver lining from that is like I get some Michael Keaton because he is Batman he never stopped being Batman. Even in other films, you're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I can see what you're doing here. You're trying to confuse us, but I know that you're Batman. <laughs> Even when he was playing the Vulture. No, 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 no. He was actually playing Batman, and it's all just an elaborate trick to, to psych out um, Peter Parker. And it worked. Um, so, yeah, like, what can I say other than I really wish we could have got something closer to that originally and maybe the worlds of DC movie cinema, cinematic universe would have panned out ever so slightly different Um, but I guess we'll never know but I really did enjoy that and you know for for all the complaints and internet shouting, release the cut release the cut and they released this, I was like you know what, he did have a fuckload of footage and a basically a done film here it's a shame that I never got the opportunity to see that on the big screen. But yeah, so sorry, on to your next choice. I was just actually going to comment about how good the soundtrack was in that film, actually thinking about it. The, well, it's because it was junk, the junky Junkie XL, XL uh, soundtrack in that film is pretty good. The Batman uh, metal guitar thing is pretty catchy. Even yeah. the the uh, um, the kind of the Wonder Woman uh, riff that kind of plays in. Yeah, it's it's pretty good. Yeah, just trying to bring it round with um music because you know structure it's a thing apparently. Um, right, my next pick for music. We're gonna go onto the Bandcamp picks now, so I've got a, a wide variety here. Shall I get right? I need to get the name of this bloody album out of the way because see if you can recognise the um, the reference. So it's by a band called Dr. Colossus. Do you get the reference? Dr. Colossus. Was he a Marvel character? No. You're going to get it with the album name, though. Are you ready okay. for this? This is very, very long. Yeah. Please do not take this out of context. People will. It is called okay. I'm a Stupid Moron with an Ugly Face and a Big Butt and My Butt Smells. That's a Simpsons reference. Yes. <laughs> So Dr. Colossus is um, the Simpson is from the Simpsons. He's a character in the Simpsons. So this this album was released, uh, I think it was October 2021. 
Uh, holy crap, this is fucking amazing. I came for the Simpsons reference. I stayed for those meaty, chunky riffs. Wow, I did not expect this. When I when I think of Simpsons bands, the first thing naturally I gravitate to is Oakley Doakley. You're aware of Oakley Doakley, right, Matt? Yes, I am. Yeah, so that's naturally the first thing I think of, but holy crap, this just blew my head off as soon as I heard it. This is proper heavy metal riffage. It's stoner rock, but it's kind of got tinges of doom metal thrown in for good measure. So a good way to describe it, I think... Is a so I think the best way to describe it is think Black Sabbath. Those those kind of Black Sabbath heavy chunky riffs, kind of mixed with Sleep or Alice in Chains, if you can kind of imagine that. I'm now sending you a link so you can listen to it and see what I mean. So uh, I don't have so I don't have to imagine it. At all. That's the one. I will try and put in clips uh, for the audio. Don't worry. Uh, best tracks on the album: opening track called "Sex Cauldron," fucking amazing. Will absolutely blow your head off. Uh, finale track. Get Mendoza. Yeah. <laughs> I was just about to come on to that next track that I think is absolutely amazing. It's "Get Mendoza." Um, of course, Mendoza from the McBain films <laughs> in The Simpsons. And uh, I think one of the best tracks, uh, it runs at about 10 minutes, is a track called Space Coyote, um, which you will recognise from the episode where Homer eats the chilli and goes on a spiritual quest. Oh, yes. Yeah. And I believe it's Johnny Cash does the voice of the, uh, the, voice of the coyote, but I digress. Um, this album is absolutely chock full of heavy metal riffs and the vocals it's produced so well nothing gets bogged down in the mix the guitars sound good the drums sound good the bass is good the vocals kind of lift really lift the tracks and stuff it's such a good album like I say for such a hokey concept as ah it's it's another Simpsons band like I say I came for the Simpsons but I stayed for the absolutely monumental heavy riffs. It's it's is obscenely good. Hundred percent. It is worth checking out if you can. Yeah, I I've, I'm enjoying that. I will be listening to that as well. <laughs> so is it is it is it my turn again? It is your turn. What 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 musical album hmm. music album have you brought along? So last year I couldn't always get to the cinema. Oh for God's sake. And I wasn't able to listen to any music. Oh, for God's sake. So whilst the zombies were smashing on the door and the window trying to get in, I watched a little film called Dolomite Is My Name. Okay, and this is some kind of music film concert, yeah? Yes. In this film that has a meta score of 76, that released originally in 2019, Yes. Eddie Murphy portrays a real-life legend, Rudy Ray Moore, who is a comedy and rap pioneer? Can you see my tenuous link there? Oh, fucking hell. Who proved naysayers wrong when his hilarious, obscene, kung fu fighting alter ego, Dolomite, <laughs> became, became a 1970s black exploitation phenomenon. And and just just to give you some help here, black exploitation is a genre 
uh, of movies from the 1970 where African-American actors starred in very low-budget films that had typically anti-establishment plots and also um, suffered a lot of criticism for playing stereotypical characterization and the glorification of violence which is code for Matt enjoyed it. What can I say about this um, this music album film <laughs> other than um, <laughs> it is it's superb. I didn't know anything about it going into it and when I watched it I was like oh boy um, glorious. I'll have to send you some of his uh, music work uh, because naturally we're talking about music is my yeah 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 um, so Eddie Murphy in this film actually films yep. part of the plot of this film shows Dolomite filming a film and he's filming this film was, which is actually scene for scene music for music the same as what it was in uh, the 1970s okay. yeah. I'm with you now yes 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 yeah. Okay, are you ready for some of the glorious music from this, which is now coming across to you via the internet? Where's yes. your name gone? There it is. Okay, check 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 out this um, check out this glorious music. Way down in the jungle deep. Okay. Way down in the jungle deep. The lion stepped on the signified monkey's feet. Monkey said, motherfucker, can't you see? You standing on my goddamn feet. The lion said, I ain't heard a word you say. If you say three more, I'll jump off on your motherfucking heat. Hey, man, don't give me that buddy hacking shit. Let that shit swing. Do you know what? It is genuinely nice to actually see Eddie Murphy look like he's actually enjoying something. Hmm. Yeah, he, he actually does act and then is good. Yes. But but what do you reckon of this song so far? Have you got to the bit where the drums come in? Yeah, yeah. I'm digging it. I can dig it, yeah. That's cool. Kind of like bongo drums and... Uh, mm. Yeah. So this is the first time he debuts his character of Dolomite. Yeah, that's, that's pretty cool. Awesome. See, I see. I told you I knew music. <laughs> so, so what was your next choice? My next choice is one that you are going to absolutely hate. Okay. Because you hated it last year. Uh, yep. It's those fucking clowns again, Matt. Oh God damn it! <laughs> That's right, Clown Core. They came back this year, and old boy was old Davy boy excited. <laughs> They came back with a nine-minute EP called One Two Three Four, because of course they did. And I think of I, course they did. I think I spoke about this earlier in the year, where basically I incorrectly said that they were selling the music as a currency, as a, a cryptocurrency. I was wrong. Guess what they were selling them as? NFTs. Way got it in one. Yes, they were NFTs. Yeah. But um, yeah, they've now um put them on Bandcamp and on YouTube for us all to consume. Hooray! And the band put it up themselves, so even better. Mm. It's nine minutes long, and it's practically perfect in every single way. Uh, most value track here, I haven't got one, because honestly, they are all absolutely astonishing. There is a special shout-out 
for three though uh, which is the third track on the ep unsurprisingly it is so so good it's so the only way to describe it is arena rock light it's so kind of ethereal and uh kind of evoking like space vibes and stuff it yeah see see you're making this sound like it's actually good but it's fucking clowncore <laughs> it's the least clowncore track of that clowncore i've ever done honestly it's not got the whack it's still got the saxophone stuff on it but it's more tasteful um so it kind of starts off with this uh keyboard and it just slowly builds and it builds and it builds and it builds until you get a triumphant kind of the saxophone kicks in with really nice uh melody vocals and it just kind of dies down again it's like over the space of like five minutes or so and it just Ah, oh, the first time I heard it, on literal goosebumps, standing up. It's so, so good. Such a great little EP. And do you know what the best bit is? No, the best is that one. The best bit? Yeah. Uh, they're touring this year. They teased <sighs> it. They teased it on Christmas Day 2021. It said, oh, World Tour. Dear. So they're, they're touring this year. So you best believe I'm I'm hopefully going to get down and see fucking Clowncore and uh, throw some shapes to Clowncore. <laughs> oh, Honestly, me. it's one of those where I know that it's a difficult listen because it's unconventional, but when you get into it and it clicks, you're just like, wow, this is fucking astonishing. The amount of musicianship that goes into it is, is astounding. Because I've always said... It takes more effort to sound deliberately bad than it is actually to be bad. And although this is unconventional, mm. it still sounds good. Okay, right. I don't believe you, but okay. <laughs> I have sent Matt a track. I've got no idea if he's clicked on it to listen to it. No, I'm not going to. <laughs> okay, you can't make me. Okay, fair. No, fair. So, is it my turn? Yeah, so please, please, please. Music. Not films. Music. Yeah? Okay, okay. I'm going to concentrate this time. Please try hard. At this point, Deep breaths. at this point, I'll accept Tonky Honks, a.k.a. Tony Hawks. So, last year I can always get to the cinema. Right, good, good, good. And I did actually listen to some music. Last year I listened to a... a huge amount of Dankmus the same three albums on loop <laughs> good man for, the, for at least one working week I had beer in the coconut stuck in my head <laughs> and for the audience we're going to put a little snippet in here I don't know what to say other than it's Dankmus. I, I follow his, I follow his YouTube. I watch him do iPod stuff. Um, he inspired me a few years back to mod my iPod, which I actually did. Yeah. I 
put an SD card in it, so no more spinning platter, so no more failures, regardless of how much you shake the iPod whilst you're <laughs> raving out to beer in the coconut. <laughs> I also went, hmm, the battery life is some pretty poor, so I replaced the battery with a Big Chonkus, which is a Dank Pulse recommendation that you get Big Chonkus battery. Yep. So I installed a Big Chonkus battery, so whilst you're raving around to beer in a coconut, um, <laughs> You can do that for hours and hours and hours and hours. And yeah, what can I say? Other than being, we've talked a lot about The Simpsons, this podcast. Just these little two to three minute skits or little remixes of random Simpsons quotes. That they are brilliant to work to. I don't know what else to say. Do you know what it is? Um, It's like how I described the Dr. Colossus album. You went for The Simpsons, but you stayed for it. You You didn't just go, huh... That 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 was amusing. I'm gonna continue my day now. You went you went fucking hard on this. You got beer in the coconut and you better believe you drank it all up. Yeah, because there's beer in the coconut. <laughs> yeah, so to so to summarise, last year pretty much all I listened to all year was Dankmus. Thereby concludes the more music portion of Matt's contribution. <laughs> Dankmus is a solid shout though, and if anybody does is not aware of uh, Dankmus needs to get on the Dankmus hype train because my word it's it's so so good <laughs> it, is it back to me now yes it's back to yes. me did you not just hear when I said my musical contributions are now concluded okay cool go for so it so along with uh, Clowncore absolutely taken over my life in 2020 and 2021 I discovered a band I can tell you I can tell you when it was in February of 2021 called Shit Piss. Now, I bought this on a complete whim. I I actually listened back to the episode, I think it was last night, where I initially discussed Shit Piss. I bought it on a whim, thinking it would be like, it's a funny thing to talk about on the podcast. It's hashtag bad-like content. Um... Actually, it blew my fucking mind because it's actually really, really good. It's so good. Um, so it's released in 2018. Uh, the only way to describe this is it's pop punk, but it's the kind of pop punk that could have been on Tonky Hawk's Pro Skater. It when you think of Tony Hawk's Pro Skater, that kind of sound and the music kind of that was in those games, you know, it's the only way mm. to describe it. It could have been literally on a Tony Hawk's game. Like I said, I spoke about it a lot at the start of last year, so I'm not really going to talk about it too much. It the short two, three minute blast pop punk punky uh, tracks, kind of lambasting the whole genre. There's like a whole track. Uh, it's called "Ode to My Cat," and it's basically talk about how much of an asshole his cat is, but he still loves it anyway. Um, there's another track. Uh, I can't remember the name of it, but it basically talks about how his friend, uh, he's like a culinary maverick because he puts um, he puts mayonnaise on a pizza before he puts it in the oven and stuff like that. There's like a whole thing, you know, kind of lambasting it. And yeah, it's great fun. It's really, really good. Like, if, like I say, it's like a 30, 40 minutes, just the right length for you to finally go, yeah, this is great. Um, yeah, really, really dug that issue. It's one of those where um, if you're going to do a road trip or something on a really, really sunny day, you want sing-along music, you know? Shit piss would easily fill that void, no, no doubt about it, quite easily. 
which is kind of weird because you know the band's called Shit Piss. But I digress. <laughs> yeah, um, hmm. it's on YouTube. Uh, it's on Spotify. Obviously, it's on Bandcamp, which is where I've got my downloads from. It's definitely worth checking out. Hundred percent sure. Welcome back. Hope you how how was your water? Are you are you refreshed, Matt? Are you hydrated? Don't forget to hydrate. Hydration, it's it's key. Right, we're on to the final um I want to call it a monolith. Third, the final third. Yeah, final third. The final third. I don't know where I got monolith. Three sections divided is a third of this pie of this pie chart. I don't know where I, the final third of this pie. I got monolith. Pie. And I don't know why I got monolith. It's been a long day. Who knows? It's been a long Too day. Too much clown call. Possibly. Yes. Your brain. I'll let you lead this one. So, we are talking about video games. So this year, the year of our Lord, 2021. Yes. I ascended. I ascended to the Master Race. The PC Master Race. Can you not see all the halos and the harps and the bright yellowness and, and the senior look of superiority? Yeah, so um, this year I built a gaming PC, which was the worst possible time to build a gaming PC because scalpers and fuck scalpers. Fortunately, though, I was able to get a relatively powerful graphics card, which was three generations old, um, from a work colleague for really good rate. Um, so, as my first PC game to dive into, I thought, why not buy the brand new released Resident Evil 8 yeah. or Resident Evil Village, if you want to be accurate about this. Um what can I say about Resident Evil Village? Lady D simulator. It has, yeah, it's that, that it's got that woman in it. It has. The, the Lady D one, the one that people want to step on them. Yes. This nine foot tall, rather large woman that all of the internet went, woman, <laughs> woman, ha. Stupid man thing! You won't live long, even if you run! Whereas for me, I was playing this that game and just going, I love the scenery of this um, European setting, sort of the mountains and the snow uh, and the outdoors element of this game, uh, which isn't something you often get in... Um, a survival horror game to be outdoors in the mountains just casually strolling around wandering around a few villages unless you're Silent Uh, Hill the downside of Silent Hill is it tends to be a bit foggy and you can't see fuck all (laughs) true no fogginess and it was yeah the game is really short to be fair and it does have downsides but for my first experience gaming um, on the PC at 4K, 60 frames per second. Nice. Um, on the TV, I was just like, "Yeah, th- this is this is pretty nice." 
obviously like i'm not a complete like idiot i used a joypad like come on <laughs> i'm a console gamer at heart but no I, I really enjoyed this game i was a bit disappointed that it wasn't actually a secretly belated sequel to resident evil 4 going back to that same village um, i think that would have been far more interesting um, the story did take huge steps to address um, character questions relating to Ethan, which I don't know if I agree with. And I would say I was a bit disappointed through the marketing to be going, you're in a castle, getting like drawbacks to the original mansion mm. or police station settings of the first couple games to go, yeah, that that's like half hour if you if you just if you're good at Resident Evil, that's like a half hour section to be fair it's not the entire game which the marketing led me to believe yeah but i did quite enjoy wandering around the lichens weren't quite lichens in the truest sense but you know what it's fine they took bullets like anything else so <laughs> i'm not too worried as with all resident evil games i beat this on the hardest difficulty done everything in the game you possibly can uh play it through about four times back to back and then I believe you came and did a visit and then we played for it again in its entirety as well in one sitting. No, I think we did the... Um, I definitely remember doing it up to uh, just after oh, Lady we D. just concluded the castle. Yeah, yeah, we did the castle, yeah. Because even I went, huh, this is this is really, really short considering all yeah. the, the campaign was um, based around big mommy milkers, as the internet people said. Yeah, essentially. Um, but fortunately, by doing that, we then got to the best section of the game, which was with um, Lady Ben 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 Benedict Arnold, um, the little girl, and you go to this little like side mansion, mm. and the game takes away all your weapons, and it comes like true Silent Hill sort of survival horror psychological stuff. Okay. And that was a great section. Mm. And I kind of wish the whole game had been like that. More survival and horror driven rather than being an action shooter. I was going to say, because the general reception I've seen online is that where RE7 was kind of... draws parallels with the first Resident Evil. This one is very much the RE4 of this new, of this new breed. It's a lot more action-heavy and action... Because I think I commented to you when I tried it. I said, this is a lot more action-heavy than, than what 7 was. Which is fine. Well, the fact the fact that they went, hey, do, do you remember the merchant? What are you buying? Well, how about a great big fat merchant? <laughs> yeah. That you buy guns from and put into to an attaché case. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So so for me, it's the memory of going. I enjoyed the game first time round, but also because it was my first gaming PC, and experience playing on a gaming PC is why I wanted to bring this up as going. Yeah, that that stands out in my memory for twenty twenty one. So so over to you. I've only really got two. The majority of my year was spent playing Final Fantasy 7 Remake <laughs> honestly this game just wow keeps on going oh boy 
it, it just kept coming and it just kept coming and it just kept coming <laughs> which I didn't mind um, Final Fantasy 7 and it's not even a full game no no that's the annoying thing so I think I've talked about it on a podcast here before uh, I sunk I think it was about 40 to 45 hours into that game over various evenings, weekends, I think even a couple of months even, this fucking game, it just keeps going and going and going. And I got to the end of it, I was like, cool, I'm at the end. And I was like, hang on, wait a minute. We're not done yet, are we? They've they've got to do the next part of this game. I've not really finished Final Fantasy VII Remake yet, have I? Oh. <laughs> But on the plus side, you get to hear. Da, 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 da. But you don't. Not really. Oh, what? You, oh, I'm not going to play it. You now. do. You do. Kind of. That's that was the only. That was the only reason I was going there. I mean, Barrett does it a couple of times after you kill enemies. Oh, we actually. Yeah, I've seen that. He actually does. He doesn't. He doesn't play the music. He just hums he, it. He right? sings it. He goes. Da, na, 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 na. And I was like, ha. Huh. That's a nice little reference. And that reference was for me and me alone. Yeah. I didn't mind what they did with it story-wise because, again, like I said previously, it is it is a remake, but it's a bit like an Elseworlds remake. There's certain... It feels like the whole of this game is basically going... You like Final Fantasy VII, right? Yeah. You know that first bit you really, really liked... Yeah, yeah. Well, we're going to do that again. But you know the rest of the game that, that that you don't really remember, yeah? Yeah. Well, that's coming soon. But when it comes out, it's going to be really, really different. So uh, y- y- you best be ready for that. Um, Which is fine. I don't mind that in a game. But don't, don't cock-tease me with it. Don't don't do that to me because I know we're going to have to wait another however many years before we get the next part. I still haven't got a PS5, so I can't even play Integrate for the Yuffie chapter to kind of um tide me over until this next part comes out. Like I said, I did read that's fine, but the next part will come out for PS6. So More than likely, don't worry about getting a PS5. More than likely, I mean, I did really enjoy it. The- I think I've said before, I mean, I originally tried... I wasn't sure about it originally. I tried a demo at uh, MGM, MCM Comic Con London in 2019 in the before times. Remember, remember comic book conventions? Just remember outside? Um, yeah, anyway. Yeah, it's the place where all the zombies are. That, that's the one. Yeah, before the zombies, no less. Yeah. But, um, yeah, I played it there, and I was like, yeah, I'm 100% in for this. I'm quite sold. And then when I got the full game, it's so polished and so good. It's, like I say, it's got a lot of stuff that you remember. It's got deviations from it. Part of me was like, I like all these uh, side mini mini side quests, but I feel like they could have cut some of it to um, put more of the game in. So without getting too spoilery, so it finishes exactly where you leave Midgar. And like I say, 40 hours later, I got there and I was like, oh, they put a bigger emphasis ready to start the game now yeah I'm I'm ready yeah <laughs> 40 hours later I, I was like you fucking bastard 40 hours and I've only just got here but um, yeah I, I did really enjoy it I loved the combat the combat was really good it was really smooth um, I was a bit worried about how they were going to handle the whole cloud cross dressing um, to get entrance into uh, 
Don Corneo's uh, place, but that's actually handled. Yeah, well, I imagine they just doubled down on it. They did. Oh, oh, they so did. Um, I actually streamed a bit of it when I did it. Um, unfortunately, that's no longer there, but they they doubled down on it. They went proper camp and proper like uh, hardcore in with it. It's, I want to say, fabulous. <laughs> Um, for those of you who've played the game, you will know what Fabulous. I'm referring to. It's it it really really is. I really enjoyed it though. Like I say, it's just a bit of a shame that there wasn't more of it in terms of story and where it leaves you. But I mean, I still had a good time with it. Um, that's mostly been my hmm. playing this year. There's a couple of other bits I'm going to mention, but this year has mainly been Final Fantasy VII Remake. Fair enough. It's not the worst game in the world to be playing all year. I mean, no. I must admit, though, it did get me on a bit of an RPG uh, buying spree, so I have now got looking at me over there. I've got Final Fantasy XII, The Zodiac Age. I've got Final Fantasy X uh, HD. I've got Nino Kuni over there just looking at me, begging to be played. But no, I'm, I'm going to finish what I've hmm. started so far, which we might touch on shortly. Yeah. Okay. So last year, I can always get out. But fortunately, having ascended to the Master Race, the PC Master Race, I had a computer at my disposal. And because of this, I have access to this place called Steam, where you can buy literally any PC game. Now, I'm old enough to remember the 90s. So I ended up buying a lovely game called Two Point Hospital. Yes. Two Point Hospital is a spiritual successor or follow-on from Theme Hospital. Do you remember playing Theme Hospital in the 90s? I never played it, but I'm aware of it. We had it on a PS1 demo disc. Good lord, did we? Because the 90s and demo discs and magazines. Wow. And happiness. Wow. Uh, Yeah, so I totally had this urge to go you know what, I want to do some building and management, sort of of a sim nature, and then I saw Two Point Hospital with like a strong, uh, an overly positive rating, which is how Steam does it, uh, that's like overly positive, positive, or mostly negative, and that's kind of their rating system, and it was like, huh, oh, it's on sale, Oh, it's basically theme hospital, I've put about 45 hours into this, no, 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 I was looking earlier today. I've actually put fifty-eight hours into Two Point Hospital so far. Oh my god, that that's a lot of hours for for me on basically a sim game. That that's and a I lot. love every moment of it. That's a lot. That's that's more than I put in on Final Fantasy VII Remake this year. Yeah, yeah, you've been playing the wrong game, mate. Yeah, honestly. clearly. <laughs> yeah. Now for this game, I actually did use a mouse and keyboard as well which is the correct way to play a sim game. I didn't try and use a joypad. I was like, no, you know what, I'm gonna do I'm gonna do this for real. I can do this, I can do that point and click business. Uh, and the thing about this game that I like is that you do career mode where you basically buy a hospital and then you have to kid it out and treat patients and that and you're like, oh that sounds a bit boring. But all of the illnesses are really stupid. So, for example, there's an illness called lightheadedness. All of your patients walk in with a giant light bulb for a head. Right. So you have to build uh, a particular treatment suite 
and that treatment suite is basically a giant crane arm that comes along, rips the light bulb off the body, and puts a human head on it, and it sends them out the door as cured. <laughs> Another um, example of illness is Mock Star. Now, Mock Star, essentially, every patient comes in and requires treatment in psychiatry because they've all walked in dressed like Ferdy Mercury from Queen. <laughs> okay. Very good. Yeah. Can you can can you kind of see why every new illness that you uncover in this game, I'm just like, oh, it's brilliant. There's another one where like patients coming in, they're all like cubed. Okay. Um, rather than being like humanoid, they're just made up of cubes, and you have to go send them from room to be like steamrolled to to turn them human again. There's another one where um, I think it, I can't remember what it's called, where people come up as it come in dressed as clowns and you send them into a circus tent to do a one uh, to do like a stand-up gig to then come out and be cured so all of the treatments are stupid <laughs> but the the game is so fun because you're just going oh i've got this new illness so i have to build a particular type of treatment room for that oh cool and you have to like manage your income and outgoings so it's a theme hospital or in this case two-point hospital just like scratches that itch you didn't know you had yeah um and i get like that at times i like i remember playing like roller coaster tycoon in the 90s i remember playing the sims being the original sims in the 90s yeah and things like age of empires and age of empires 2 and, and just kind of just that kind of control and management and organization thing really appeals to my compulsions you know and the thing is i've put 58 hours into it at some point I'll just go yep that's ticked my quota off and I probably won't play it for a year <laughs> and then all of a sudden one day I'll start to get this random twitch and then I'll probably go and put another 20 hours into it yeah um because that's how I tend to game on things like this I'll just binge on it and I'll go yep that's my quota fault and then I'll move on <laughs> so yeah two point hospital nice the game I didn't know I needed but apparently you do <laughs> nice. Yeah. Nice. I'm, I'm not too keen on real time management uh, simulation things like that, but yeah, I think what I saw of you play of it at that time, it did look generally quite amusing. It looks like I don't think it's. I was going to say it's got. It feels like it's got a lot of British humour in it, but I don't think it's by a British studio, is it? Um, it's definitely Sega, though. I haven't it? actually. I haven't looked into it all, but yeah. yeah, I believe Sega are the... the um, They're definitely the publishers, publishers or something like that. Publishers? Because I've got the Sonic DLC, where you can buy Sonic statues and Sonic posters and totem poles and Sonic rugs and just decorate your hospital with them. Yeah. Because why wouldn't you? <laughs> of of course, of course. No uh, no colonic, the, uh, the legally distinct cat, though. No, 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 no. Sadly not. <laughs> I don't really have any sort of other game choices. Uh, generally, for me, aside from Final Fantasy VII Remake, it's been retro time. Mainly, I just want to talk about the Game Boy, to be honest. The Game Boy was a great console, wasn't it? <laughs> yeah. Um, Are we talking original Game Boy, Game Boy Color, Game uh, Boy Advance? The, the original Game Boy. Um, because... Last year, I managed to get my hand on a not exactly legal um, emulator handheld machine, and it came preloaded 
in not exactly very legal manner, with a load of um, Game Boy games on it. And I was kind of going through awesome. it. And yeah, it just took me back to being like a child again, to be honest. And I didn't realise how good we had it back then with with these games. I played stuff like the original Super Mario Land. Remember Super Mario Land? That on on Game Boy, that game is stupidly brilliant. I'd say that that is arguably the best Mario. As yeah. good as what? Yeah, it's arguably the best Mario, or at very least, it's on the same sort of top tier as the SNES version mm. and the original NES version for definite. I was yeah. going to say, in terms of original Game Boy, I remember playing a lot of the Kirby Pinball game. Yeah. Stupidly brilliant. Uh, Metroid 2. Yeah. Return of Samus, which until very recently was the only way to play that game. Yeah. Um, cool. What did I mean, I went on? through it and I played a bit of that. I played um, Batman 1989 on it. Remember Batman 1989? So I was playing that. And it's a weird game because it's a platformer, but it's the only time I've ever seen Batman with a gun in a video game. Remember that? Yeah. He, 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 you can see him. Yeah. He holds a gun and you shoot the bad guys. But yeah. it's so much fun, though, for a simple little 2D sprite-based you know, side-scrolling platform where you have to time the jumps and, and do the shoots and things like that. So, so fun. I've... I just loved the Game Boy so so much, and I didn't realise how mm. good we had it. Like I say, I was playing that, and uh, God, yeah, I was playing Mario Brothers on uh, the Game Boy Advance as well. Uh, I know it's not original Game Boy, but Mario Bros. Oh, so, so it it does the original. So does it 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 does all so of the handhelds. The it, device will play all of the handhelds, so it'll play Advance games. Because harking back, very. Given that you mentioned Clonic, the legally distinct uh, cat, um, on our thing we said that Sonic Mania is probably one of the best Sonic games. I want to issue a slight correction to that <laughs> statement. Yeah. On the Game Boy Advance, Sonic Advance 2 oh. and the original Sonic Advance. Yes. Fucking amazing. I still have those cartridges and I put so many hours into those games and I can't believe that my brain had voided that until a few days ago and I was like shit I should have mentioned that when we yeah. were doing the shit fest that was Sonic Forces I'm like Sonic Advanced is glorious Sonic, Sonic Advanced 2 one up to in every yeah one up to in every way 100% Sonic Advanced 3 didn't like as much so for me Sonic Advanced 2 is the sort of the pinnacle I mean I had a glorious look. and if we're talking if we're talking advanced games Metroid Fusion Metroid Fusion yeah. <laughs> come on yeah um, I mean like I said this this emulator machine I was just sort of discovering all these gems that I'd never played before as well so like I say it does original Game Boy it does Game Boy Color and it does Game Boy Advance so I spent a little bit of time playing Advance Wars again which I haven't played since the, since I had a Game Boy Advance you know which I remember borrowing off a friend at school. Uh, a lot of t ironically, which is actually like a real-time strategy game, even though I said I haven't got a lot of time for him, but Advanced Wars is just so charming um, as well, along with that. Like I said, a little bit of Mario, because why not? It's a fucking Nintendo thing at this point. Ah, oh, special shout-out, <laughs> though. I knew it was a thing. Um, I was watching a lot of Kid Icarus this year, and as we know, Kid Icarus is a big—he's a big Crash Cash Banuka fan. 
Um, I got round to playing some of the um, the Crash Bandicoot Advance games. Ooh. Um, so I played. No, I think there's only I think there's only one of those that he liked. Did was it Crash Orange he liked and Crash Purple and Spyro Orange he liked? No, 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 no. He hated those the the, the original ones, the um, yeah. the big adventure and stuff. And yeah, it was the very first one. Um, it's I think the version I've got on there is just called Crash Bandicoot Advance, but I think it's called XS or something in in Europe and PAL. But yeah, I was playing that and I, for a little two D side scrolling, you know, for a property that is mainly on consoles like home consoles, it's not a bad little you know conversion for a handheld machine it's pretty good it holds up still pretty well today um i actually need to charge my handheld because i do want to go back to it <laughs> at some point so yeah it it's mostly i been... still have i still have a game boy advance sp oh see i got rid of mine when i bought the ds and i really wish yeah, i hadn't that, that was foolish uh, I learned that lesson of selling and trading stuff. It's like no, just just taught it all. So I still have Metroid Fusion. I still have Metroid Zero Mission for the Advance, mm. and I believe I may even still have Sonic Advance. Yeah, I bet you do. <laughs> yeah. So I don't have any of my games. I don't even have a DS anymore, which is yeah. But I didn't. I didn't really get on with my DS too much as well, as much as I did uh, the, I... the Advance. <laughs> Well, you know, I'm like I brought a Nintendo 3DS XL a couple years back, so this was well after the hype and everything, specifically to play Ocarina of Time and Lilac Wars, or if you want to be American about this, Star Fox 64. Yeah, and those are the only two games I've got for that. I've, I haven't actually played any 3DS <laughs> games on it. Those I was like, no, why do I want it for that? I don't think you'd... I want it for N64 Yeah, games. you want it for N64 <laughs> ports. I mean... Yeah, and honestly, if I could get my hands on Majora's Mask... Yeah. Because I've still got that on N64, the card still works, I've still got the save file, I've still got the N64, but I can't seem to get the 3DS version affordable and the correct region. Yeah. And the same with... Uh, the remake of Metroid 2 Samus Returns. Yeah. Can't seem to get that in this region or, or affordable anymore. Yeah. Uh, you know, which is very annoying because those would be the other two games I'd buy for that console which has thousands of games available. Mm. I just want those four, four mm. games because that's the correct way to do it. Yeah. I mean, the only reason I bought this little handheld was I was like, I just had a pang for Game Boy Advance and I don't know why. And then I kind of looked through it. I was like, hang on, this emulates fucking everything. So look out for episodes in the future featuring handheld games because we have got Neo Geo. We've got Wonder Swan. There is like Game Gear and all sorts on there. There is so much on there. There is a lot of content on that on that machine. But um, yeah, I'm going to let you talk about a proper game now. That was that was just my little retro time. Hmm. Thing. <laughs> I'd say if you if you want an original Game Boy game recommendation, Kirby Pinball. Yeah. Um, it's stupidly fun because it's Kirby, and it's not just pinball. Give that a go. I will do. I will do. Yes. Hmm. Okay. So uh, last year I um couldn't go outside much. 
and I uh, I sent it to the Master Race, the PC Master Race, and I played a game which caused the following reactions from me. What the fuck is that? <laughs> the fuck happened there? What the fuck is that? Is that an ass for a face? What the <laughs> fuck is that? So last year I played the game called The Forest, <laughs> downloaded via Steam. And those were my genuine reactions to seeing some of the horrible, twisted monsters that come out of nowhere whilst I was happily building a wooden house. A log house, a log cabin. Whilst I was happily building a log cabin. Minding my own business and you see this thing with six human legs and an arse for a face <clears throat> just come clambering up towards me. And I'm like, what the fuck is that? Scared the shit out of me. Snuck up on me as well, the bastard. <laughs> Yeah. Just uh first person survival game, I guess you could call it survival horror, where essentially you're in a plane crash and then you just have to explore this island, uh, which has a rather large forest in it, um, and just sort of craft things to survive, like uh, accommodation, find things. And I think the premise of the game is, is you're trying to find out what happened to all of the passengers from the flight. Mm. But ultimately, you just wander around building accommodation and enjoying yourself and doing a bit of hunting and then seeing these horrific monsters and going, no, fuck that, <laughs> running the fuck away and just not just not going anywhere near that shit. I had some great fun playing this on online co-op and also a lot of trauma from those fucking creatures because you've got one with like six or eight legs, but there's another one that's just human arms. Ooh. And it is fucking hideous. And some of them, if you kill them, like splooch out like smaller baby demon monsters and that. It's fucking horrific, but brilliant at the same time. Oh. The monster I just described with all the arms, which you could call an octopus, is known on the official forest wiki as Armsy. I hate it. I hate it. The one with all the legs, which you could call a spider, is it called, is called Virginia. Oh. No, it's called for Virginia. Some, yeah. Um, I just, yeah, fucking horrific. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> because the thing is, is you're playing this game just going, oh, it's a nice co-op game and you're building stuff in the forest. And then all of a sudden fucking cannibals run up to you and you're like what the fuck is that I wasn't aware that this game had that and like torturing you and eating you and stuff and you're like oh fuck me <laughs> great fun I'd highly recommend it that's surprising given you know what you've just described <laughs> yeah yeah there we are so did you play any other games this year um if not, I have a few other things I wouldn't mind bringing up. I mean, not really. I mean, I played the Max Payne trilogy, but I want to go into those on another um, late to the party, possibly, because why not? Um, yeah, I think, yeah. yeah, that fucking Final Fantasy VII just took all my time away from me. It just sucked the life out of me. Well, this is the thing. Thinking back over the year of games, I've played a lot of games, but... The only other thing that stands out of my memory, the only other thing that stands out of my memory was Felony 1179. <laughs> and we played that for two hours and the game was broken and I couldn't finish a single level. But I really enjoyed that and it stands out in my memory. So I just wanted to bring that up again going, 
if we if I could either buy the original disc because I do have a PS3 so I could play it or get a working emulator version I would happily sit and play that maybe even stream that perhaps we should do it if we can get that working would uh, listeners be interested in watching a live stream of that on on, on Z Twitch definitely um, tweet it Dave tweet tweet Dave to let, to let us know definitely I think I think that was one of the highlights of one of the video game episodes this year but but we're not we're gonna we're gonna ignore that so this is gonna be I think if you've got nothing else to say I think we'll wrap it up for part one um yeah, yeah. so this is part one we've been recording now for two hours 20 minutes I've got no idea how long this is on the edit but we'll find out <laughs> probably about an hour 45 well we'll see what happens but um yeah uh Please do join us next week where we're going to be answering your questions. That's right, you at home. And uh, looking back at, in general, just at the podcast. So, yeah, uh, if you want to get in contact with us, uh, we're over on Twitter as at anyonepodcast. We're on Facebook as well. Just search for us and you will find us. Uh, longer rants, rambles, considerations can be sent by email to anyoneforseconds at gmail.com. Don't forget to leave us a like, rating, review on your podcast platform of choice as it helps us grow the podcast and we can affect more ears. Oh, we do Twitch as well. We're on twitch.tv forward slash anyone podcast. I'm planning to get on there and stream some Untitled Goose game. Ooh, exciting. Soon. It will happen. Normally we leave people with a clip. What should we leave them with, Matt? Oh, what shall we leave them with? It's got a bit... I know what it is. I know what we've got to leave them with. Beer in a coconut. Beer in a coconut. <laughs> anyway, thanks again. Stay safe. You got this. You put the beer in the coconut.